You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to Leadership Night. Uh, Today's date is March the 1st. It's March already, which is wild because we've had two months already go by in this year. Uh, But I'm grateful for you guys joining us for Leadership Night uh, for the month of March. And um, we're going to have a good night. Uh, We're going to spend some time talking through leadership principle together. And then... um, and then we're just going to open it up and talk and just how does this apply and what does this look like in my context and uh, we'll let some of you guys give feedback and respond and talk and so I don't want this to be a lecture. I want to share some of my experiences with you but then I want us to just open it up for a dialogue. Um, and one of the things I'm going to try to do moving forward just so you guys know is I want to give, I want to, I want to take what we're talking about at leadership night and make it broad enough that anybody can apply what we're talking to, uh, talking about, whether it's um, a parent in a home or a, a person who's leading volunteers in our church or somebody who maybe is a, 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 in the C-suite. Maybe they're a CEO or CFO of an organization. No matter where you're at uh, in your leadership, you're gonna be able to apply some of these things. And so tonight is no different to me. Um, we're gonna be talking about developing culture, and this is something that is talked about a lot, but I don't know that um, it's easy to say we have a good culture, but sometimes we live in denial. I've known lots of people that felt like they had a healthy culture, but at the end of the day, they really didn't. Um, and so I want to talk about how do we build a healthy culture? What does it look like? What are some of the results of a healthy culture? Um, and I'm, I'm sure some of you have worked for organizations that were healthy and some that were unhealthy. And it's easy if you are a a staff member, an employee, or maybe a volunteer in an organization that is not healthy, it's easy for you to identify it, but sometimes the senior senior leadership cannot. And so um, if you're wondering if you have a healthy culture in your organization, if you're not quite sure, maybe you think you do, this is a really, really dangerous question to ask, but why don't you ask some of your staff or volunteers or people in your home, maybe, hey, what is our culture like? What does that look like? And they can help. So what is culture? Um, and really, culture is just, we can kind of boil it down to this idea. Culture is uh, the way we do things. It's the values. It's how we get things done. It's who we are. This is culture in a nutshell. There are probably more textbook definitions than that, um, but this is basically the summary of what culture is. Um, And the difference between a good organization and a great organization is a healthy culture. A good organization can get a lot of things done. They might get a lot of stuff done, but there's going to be a cost to it. Um, There's going to be um, people left behind. There's going to be people that are like, man, I love what we do, but I'm getting burned out doing this. Um, and in a healthy culture, it's going to be, man, we're getting a lot done and I know I should be more tired than I am, but I'm excited about where I am, what I'm doing. So let me just jump into this. Um, there's kind of four elements, key elements to culture. Uh, and it depends on who you read and what you look at. There, you could have a hundred of these if you wanted to. But basically, to me, there are four uh, core elements of, of culture. And, and this is, notice I didn't say healthy culture, because even bad culture have some of these elements in it. Um, the first is communication. <clears throat> um, healthy, healthy cultures start with good communication. Um, you can have unhealthy culture. In fact, you, you may have unhealthy culture, um, but that probably is driven to some degree by bad communication. Um, How many of you guys have ever worked at an organization that you felt like is unhealthy? Maybe you couldn't quite put your finger on it, but now that I said uh, communication, you can go, oh yeah, we were unhealthy and communication was terrible. Has anybody ever worked in an organization like that before? Yeah, a bunch of you have. I have. 
because um, the people at the top always feel like they communicate better than the people down the org chart feel like they do. Um, and so good communication is really, really important. And, and we'll get into this in a minute, but part of that is over-communication. It's communicating and communicating and communicating and communicating over and over and over again. And again, I wanna remind you, this isn't just in, a, in an org chart, this is in your home. So those of you that are parents, uh, especially, uh, think about the culture you wanna develop in your home. And part of health, developing a healthy culture is good communication. Um, I have been guilty a few times in my parenting life of saying, because I said so, <laughs> because I'm the dad, like I've had those moments and I would never dare do that in our organization. I would never say, we're gonna do it because I'm the pastor, right? Because I've got the big office. I would never say that to any of our staff, but that's essentially what I say to my kids. And so the same bad communication that I apply that I would totally avoid in this context, I will embrace in my home at times. And then I might wonder why, well, why aren't, why does the culture feel unhealthy or why is there? And it's like, well, cause I'm applying principles here that I would never apply in my workplace. Does that make sense? And so again, I want you to think in a broader way about what we're talking about beyond just work or um, your tasks. So communication is key. Um, good expectations are part of um, are part of a healthy culture. Um, in my experience, ambiguity leads to an unhealthy culture. Uh, not knowing whose responsibility something is leads to an unhealthy culture. And so, the more clarity I can have about the expectations for me as a team member, uh, the more expectations that I can give the people I lead, the better and more clarity there's going to be with a team, and it's going to build a healthier culture. Um, sometimes we are resistant to that be, for a number of different reasons. Um, just something as simple as a job description. And let me help you. If you are a department leader, if you are a CEO or leader and you're like, oh, we need job descriptions. Can I help you with this? You don't have to write it. You can ask them to write it. Hey, I know you've been in this role for a while. I wanna establish some job descriptions. Would you help me by just listing the things you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? And then we can talk through that. Because if you do that, it's going to bring clarity. It's gonna help them understand what your expectations are, but they might be doing stuff you don't even want them to do. You're like, why in the world are you doing this? Uh, well, I just I did started doing this when they left. You should have never been doing that. Um, I'm sorry you were doing that. We need to move that off your, oh, you've been doing that. You've been doing great at that. Why don't we adjust your job description? And so that is gonna be a good way to help you understand expectations and them understand expectations as well. Um, another thing I would encourage you to do is, is have performance goals for your teams. Um, <clears throat> this is something that... Um, it's easy to do, it's easy to talk about, and just I'm just gonna confess something to you. As a staff, historically, we've done annual goals, and sometimes we pay more attention to them than others. Some years, it's like, hey, what did, what's your goals for the year? And then at the end of the year, we'll go, How, how'd you do on those goals? Eh, okay, you did fine, good job, and that's, that is it. Um, and uh, as we've restructured our leadership, one of the things we've done is we've moved to qu quarterly goals. So we have quarterly goals instead of annual goals. And um, <laughs> when my wife proposed this, I was like, oh, the staff is gonna hate that. Like, okay, the staff's gonna hate it. And you know what I found? Most of the staff actually like it because it brings clarity. Uh, it helps them understand their expectations. It, it, it's helping them because now it's not something like, oh, it's, it's October and I have not hit my goals. Oh, now I'm pressing, trying to figure this out. Now it's like, okay, uh, we're gonna meet and talk about this and I haven't hit my goals, we're gonna adjust and we're gonna work on how do we move and how do we get there and those kind of things. So it feels like we're raising the bar and we are in some ways, but what we're actually doing is clarifying the expectations for the team. Um, let me move on. The third thing of the four core elements of culture is this. Third thing is development. Um, it's really, really important to develop people. And this is easier said than done in just about any organization ever in the world. We all know the importance of development. I don't have to spend a lot of time on this. But if you want to have a healthy culture on a team, you've got to develop 
the people on the team. You've got to pour into them some way or another. Uh, maybe it's something as easy or simple as saying, um, hey guys, I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about developing a healthy culture. And you just rip off the notes that I'm sure I ripped off from somebody else at some point anyway. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, maybe it's sharing a podcast with your team and saying, hey, we're going to talk about this at lunch on Thursday. I want you all to listen to it. It might be something that simple just to have a conversation so that they know your growth and development is important to me. It is, it is um, more important to me that you grow and develop than you do your job well. Because if you grow and develop, you should be doing your job well. Um, because that means you care about the person and not just their performance. And that's really important. It might be group training. It might be individual, individual coaching. Um, but there are ways you can develop your team without breaking your bank and without um, being a time suck on you as well. So development and Third, uh, fourth thing is this, relationships, um, encourage often, speak the truth, and then, and then show them. Show them what you want done. Model the behavior you would like your teams to have. Um, some of the worst culture I was ever around was when senior leaders, um, their behavior wasn't in alignment with what their expectations were for the team. Um, in fact, in church cultures, there was a, a pastor of a very large church in Chicago, uh, and I have a good friend who was on staff at that church at the time, and he had a moral failure. It was very public. I mean, he was a very well-known pastor, and uh, he had to step down from his ministry. It was very ugly. And I was talking to my friend, and I said, did you see this coming? Was there any behavior you saw? And he said, no, in hindsight, I can, I can tell you, yes, I should have seen it, but I didn't at the time because you just don't expect that. And I said, well, what did you see in hindsight? And he said, in hindsight, I can tell you that he held the staff to standards that he never, that he never lived up to. So there were things he would do as the senior leader that he would have never let the staff get away with. And because of that, um, it, it caused issues. It caused problems. Um, and so he didn't demonstrate um, what he was looking for very well. And so it's important for us to demonstrate what we're looking for in a healthy culture, model what healthy culture looks like um, for the people in, on our teams, in your home, whatever the case may be. So <clears throat> let, me, um, let me just share a few thoughts with you about developing a healthy culture. The first is this. So if you like lists, I got good news for you tonight. Three different lists for you. So... This is the second list. So um, here's just some random thoughts on developing a healthy culture. The first is this, uh, the boss is in charge or the, the boss is responsible, how about that? So if you're a parent and you don't like the culture of your home, I've got good news and bad news for you. It's your fault, but you get to change the culture of your home, right? Uh, if you are the CFO or the CEO of an organization, if you're the owner, if you are the department head, uh, maybe you can't change the whole organization, but you don't like the culture of your department. You can change the, the culture because it's dependent on the leader. Um, so how do you produce a healthy staff culture? Well, it starts with a healthy leader. Um, so if you want a healthy team, I would get started working on your heart and working on your emotions and working on the things that create a healthy leader. It begins with you. Um, so make sure you're a leader um, worth following. That's kind of hard to say, but sometimes that's the case. Um, sometimes we don't like the people who are following us, but maybe it's a matter of us not being a leader worth following. People that we would like to follow us won't follow us because... They see us in ways we don't see ourselves. Um, healthy leaders produce healthy cultures. Uh, this isn't a crazy thing. If you want a healthy culture, then it begins with a healthy leader. Uh, the health of an organization rarely exceeds the health of the senior leader, and it won't do it for long. Um, it may do it for a season, it may do it for a little bit, but it, it's not sustainable. So if you want a healthy organization, it has to begin with you being healthy, emotionally, spiritually, um, making sure you are prioritizing those things relationally. That's a big one. Um, Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud said this, you have either created or allowed the culture that you currently have. And that's the hard thing to look at. Um, when I first came to Summit, there were some things I had inherited. And some of you that have moved into roles, maybe you inherited some things. And you're like, whoa, I can't believe they did this. Look at where we're at. But at some point, 
it's not somebody else's fault, it's your fault, you know? And so after I'd been at Summit a little bit, it was like, I can't blame anybody else now, this is mine. Like, this is my circus and these are my monkeys and this is my mess, right? Like, um, I can't blame the last pastor for, and so I, you have to own it. And so if there are things you don't like in your culture, I would encourage you, I wanna empower you, go change those things in your culture that you can change. Uh, but it begins with you. If you don't set the culture, someone will. Um, you have a culture in your organization. Uh, you might not know what it is, but I promise you there are people in your organization that do. And if you're bold enough, ask them, hey, what do we have? What do you see? What do you like? What do you not like? Who are we as an organization? How would you describe us? Um, how do we get things done? What do we value? Ask those questions and you'll figure out what your culture is. Um, but if you are not being intentional about setting the culture, I promise you, uh, somebody is doing it and it's probably somebody you don't want setting the culture in your organization. Um, it's crazy how unhealthy people love to try to set the culture for a department or a team or a family. Um, and it's easy to do if the senior leader is not paying attention. Um, I actually have a note in here that says, if you don't know what your culture is, ask 10 different people. Um, and so, yeah, don't ask one person, ask several people they can tell you. Um, vision determines direction of an organization. Strategy determines the path you'll take, uh, but ultimately your staff or the culture will determine uh, if you're gonna get there or not. So vision is really important. We'll actually talk about that in a minute. Vision's really, really, really important. And I think sometimes we overemphasize vision and we underemphasize culture. Um, because of, of a good vision with a bad culture is not gonna get you very far. Uh, you'll actually get farther with a bad vision and good culture than you will with good vision and bad culture. And so I think as organizations and as leaders, we need to pay a lot of attention to the temperature of the rooms that we are in, the people that we are leading. And what does that look like? Um, well, the second thing is this. Culture can take years to change, but it moves quicker with leadership changes. Um, if you're new to an organization or a department or whatever it might be, you can begin to change culture quicker. And I've used this illustration in the past. So um, Pastor Todd's sitting here. Uh, Todd was the first pastoral hire I made when I came to Summit, and he helped me change the culture pretty quickly because I could bring my people in that had a similar vision and similar alignment and go, okay, help us help us move the ball down the field. And he was able to do that. And so every new staff member that came in that carried our vision helped change the culture of our organization. Um, and so if you are not in a place to change, because I know I've talked to some of you that are like, I'm kind of stuck with my team. Like I can't make any changes. It's going to take a while to change the culture because you're talking about people changing. And that, I don't know if you know this, that takes a while. Um, it's easy to change things like the paint. It's easy to change, you know, a feel, but it's really hard to change culture and it takes some time. But if you have the luxury of bringing in some of your own people, that will speed up that cultural change. Um, well, this is not a popular sentiment, but um, sometimes your biggest obstacle to, an, uh, to cultural change in your organization, typically it's gonna be people. Um, there is someone who doesn't like the change you're gonna make. And um, yeah, I'll just, I'll be transparent. I'll, I'll just share with you guys. Uh, we had five board members here at Summit when I came. And they are the ones who hired me. When I first came, they invited me to become the pastor. And I told those five board members, Here's what I would like us to do. Here's what I think we're capable of. Here's what I believe God wants to do in our organization. Here's how, and it was broad. It wasn't specifics. It was, here's what I think. And, um, and you fast forward, I've been here over nine years now. We've, we've done the things we talked about. Um, we've started other locations. We're working on another one now. We've, we, our church has grown. We've impacted the community. We've done all these things that I said, hey, here's what we're gonna do. And those five people were all like, that's a great idea. We wanna go there. But somewhere along the way, some of those same people who said, that's where we wanna go, were like, nope, that's not where we wanna go. We, we like it, but we don't like, we like the destination, but we don't like the vehicle by which we're gonna get to the destination. Does that make sense? And so, even some of the people who were on board at first were actually obstacles to shifting the culture. Um, and so sometimes the biggest growth you're gonna see in your organization is actually by removing obstacles to the culture. And I'm not saying I fired board members, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that people are gonna be the problem sometimes to shifting that culture. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me move on. Number three, uh, culture is communication, uh, and it's or, culture is communicated, and it's over communicated over and over and over again. Uh, language is super important. If you don't believe me, um, try to hang around with some like teenagers and let them talk a little bit, and then try to use their language when they're talking. And they will look at you like you have another arm growing out of your head. Um, when I try to use like Emma's language with her, like unironically, it freaks her out. She hates it. And it's because it's like, you're not supposed to be using this language. That's the language for your culture, right? So you've got a different culture. You don't belong in this culture. And so what that says to me is language is really important in setting the culture for an organization. Um, simple things like, um, and I've had some people notice this, but as a, as a church, we want to set a certain kind of culture in our church. And the culture is we want people who don't know God and have never been to church to feel comfortable coming to church. So we're intentional about the language we use. So one of the things we talk to our platform communicators about is we never want our platform people to say something like, um, you know, David and Goliath, well, you guys all know the story of David and Goliath. So David, and just move on. We don't want that because if you don't know the story of David and Goliath, now there's this line drawn and you feel like an outsider. Like I don't belong here um, and everybody else knows, but I'm the only one who doesn't. And so instead we'll say, hey, if you're new to church, there was a guy named David and he fought in the valley with, of Allah with, with Goliath and he killed him and he was long shot, but here's, and so we'll explain it, the nutshell version and move on. So then we can reference it but we don't leave anybody out. Does that make sense? So our language is shaping our culture and we're intentional about that. So even some of the words we use or don't use, we're intentionally trying to shape the culture. And so I would encourage you, think about the words you're using in your workplace, in your home, um, anywhere you're leading and try to look at it from an outsider's perspective and say, how are my words shaping the culture? Um, I had in my youth ministry class, gosh, 25 years, 26 years ago in college, I had a, a professor who said, never get up in front of your youth group and say something like, where is everybody at? Even if it's empty, don't say that because the people that are in the room are gonna feel like they don't count. And it was like, that's great. I had never thought about that before, but he's talking about shaping culture. And so we've gotta be careful about what we say or don't say because our, our language is shaping culture. So we have to communicate. We have to say the right things. We have to make sure what we're saying is what matters. Um, and most of you go to Summit Church and this is not a mystery. What do I say at the end of every service? Can anybody say it? Luke? You might. Yeah, that's really close. I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. Something like that. I very, it varies from time to time. But I say that every week. And no matter what somebody leaves our church with, at least at the end of the service, they're gonna know, I love you and I'm, I'm privileged to be able to pastor here. Um, they know that they're loved and that I understand my job is to serve the congregation. And, uh, and those are important things to me because, I, again, I feel like that helps shape the culture. Um, so what we say is really, really important. It's what you say over and over and over again that's really important, that, that hits home. It's also what we do, and it's not just what we do, but it's what we do over and over and over again. It's the repetition. It's what we're modeling for our people. It's where showing people matters. Because it doesn't matter what you say matters, what you do is what matters. So I could say, hey, I wanna create an environment where, where we just love each other really well, but if I am totally unaccessible, if I walk in the room at the beginning of my message and walk up to the platform, and as soon as I'm done preaching, I'll walk off and I can never talk to anybody and I can never write and I'm not approachable, then it doesn't matter what I say, it matters what I do. And so that's why I'm going to stick around in the lobby and talk to people after church. I'm going to, I want to model for our team and I want to model for our church the kind of culture I want. The kind of culture I want for us is one that's engaging and friendly and warm and welcoming. And so I can't just say, you guys go do that. Hey, here's a culture we want. You guys go do that. No, if I want that kind of culture, I've got to model it. So I've got to lead the way in the kind of culture that we want here at Summit Church. Um, and that's why not every week, but most weekends, I try to be the last one in the lobby. I try to be the one, I'm going to talk to everybody who wants to talk. I'm going to connect with them. I'm going to visit with them because, uh, yeah, culture is communicated, not just by what I say, but with what I do. Um, 
The fourth thing is real quickly, clear vision. I said earlier uh, that, that vision's important, but culture's more important. John Maxwell actually says, culture eats vision for lunch. Um, Everybody has to know what the, what the win is. Everybody has to know what the vision is. Um, but the culture is what helps us achieve the win and achieve the vision. Uh, vision and culture are not mutually exclusive. Vision is what determines your destination. Culture is what will help you get there. Uh, vision aligns with values. Culture demonstrates them. Uh, vision goes down the org chart. Complaints go up the org chart. We say this all the time. Um, have you ever seen Saving Private Ryan? Has everybody ever seen that? And they're complaining on the way to go save Private Ryan. And they say, Captain, why are you not complaining? Why do you not seem to be upset? And he says, well, if I complained, I'm not going to complain to you. I'm going to complain to my superior. Like, that's how this works. Complaints don't go down. And that was such a great reminder for me that too many times an unhealthy culture is built by complaints going the wrong direction on an org chart. Um, vision's going the wrong direction and complaints are going the wrong direction. So if you want your organization to be healthy, make sure you have a channel by which gripes or complaints can go up the org chart. That, that if you say, I've got an open door policy as a leader, you better have an open door policy. Because if you don't have a place where somebody can come share their, their concerns, they will share it somewhere else. And it's probably somewhere you don't want them to share it. Um, one of the things we say as a staff and as a church um, is that there is no organizational confidentiality. Um, so if somebody comes to one of our staff, if one of our staff is confiding in Todd and saying, Todd, I just want you to know, um, man, I'm having some trouble in my marriage. Would you pray for me? Todd has no responsibility to come to me and be like, Mel, you need to know this um, because they're confiding in him and that's a personal issue and I'm okay with that. Like, we don't need that. But if somebody goes to Todd and says, Todd, let me tell you, Mel is the da 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 and he's why he's terrible and I'm not even sure he loves Jesus. He might be the Antichrist. Let's shave his head while he's asleep and see if there's a sign of the beast. That's something that I would go, hey, maybe I should know about that, right? Like maybe I should hear if there's dissension in the ranks. And so uh, that's something as an organization we just talk about. Like, hey, there is no um, organizational confidentiality. So if, if you've got a problem with somebody in the organization and you share it with somebody else, most of our team knows that you better go take that to them or I'm gonna have to go take that to them. Um, we had a, a situation um, a while back where someone on our team was unhappy with someone else and they went to a, a, a coworker and said, God, I can't believe, da, 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 da. And that person responded correctly and said, hey, if you don't go share this with that person, I'm gonna have to go do that. And so sure enough, that person went and said, okay, hey, I said this to so-and-so, I shouldn't have said it. Here's why I said it, can we talk through it? And they did, and it was fine, they worked through it. But that's the kind of organization, that's a healthy culture that drives out unhealthiness. Um, a healthy culture will drive out unhealthy people and an unhealthy culture will drive out healthy people. And sometimes, right now, some of you are thinking about that, right? You're thinking like, oh, we've lost some people. Are they healthy and we're unhealthy? <laughs> You're trying to figure it out right now. And I'll just leave you for that later. Uh, let me keep going. Um, I'll skip some of those notes. Last thing is this, um, number five. Oh, that's funny. I actually have two more lists. That's okay. Number five, healthy culture is produced quicker with people you love. Um, and this is controversial. And I know all of us have different industries. And some of you are like, uh, I'm not hiring people I love in a machine shop. That's fine. I get that. Um, but let me explain what I'm talking about. Um, all of us have jobs that are challenging. And if I'm gonna do a hard job, I'd rather do it with people I love. Now that creates problems in that if you have conflict with them or maybe they're not performing well, you might have to have a hard conversation with somebody you love. And it's way easier to have a hard conversation with somebody you don't love, right? That's why problems in marriages, they just build and build and build because we don't like having hard conversations with people we love. If you don't like the person, it's really easy to go, you're terrible at your job. You need to get better, right? And a couple of different things. Um, high trust is shown in, do you, does your team laugh together? Um, do they have fun together? Do they do things outside of work together? Um, because that's gonna show high trust. And it's not enough to laugh together. Um, do, they, do they cry together? Because this is another level of vulnerability altogether. And I don't mean you literally have to cry together, but are you gonna be vulnerable together? Are you gonna say, hey man, I'm really struggling with this. Or hey, I got this going on in my marriage. Uh, man, my life is not perfect. I'm, I'm struggling with this aspect, whatever it might be. Are, are, is your team doing that? Because if they're doing that, there's a high level of trust. And then um, 
You know, are they believing together? Are they dreaming together about the future? That, that's, a, that's a big part of trust. So there's a high level of trust in healthy teams, um, low insecurity in politics. There's not gonna be backbiting and jockeying for position and all those kind of things. I worked at a church one time. And it was the last church I was on staff at. And I was over a bunch of the staff. And every time we would have somebody leave, I'm not kidding. They would literally come into my office and resign and it would be totally fine, no issues. And when's your last day? Okay, man, God bless you. Uh, you know, we wish you the best of luck and we're gonna be with you on the process. They would walk out the door. I'm not kidding. Two minutes later, somebody would come in my office. Hey, Mel, how's it going? Good, good. What's going on? Well, I heard, uh, heard Barb's leaving. Yeah, yeah. How did you know? Because I just found out two minutes ago. Oh, well, well I'd heard through the grapevine. Okay. Well, who's going to get her office when she goes? It's like immediately, right? Like the vultures were circling. Like she's got a, she's got a stand-up desk in her office. Is she, who's going to get the stand-up desk? And there was just a high level of that kind of stuff. Uh, there was a high level of jockeying for like, well, hey, who's, I know you're going to be gone. Who's going to preach while you're gone? Um, because they were jockeying for position. I hated it so much. Uh, and in your office, it might look different, but there's office politics at work. So the fewer office politics you have, the healthier your culture is probably gonna be. Um, and if, if there's fewer office politics, it probably means they're more, more secure with each other. They're not insecure because insecurity drives those kind of things. The third thing is uh, to look for in a healthy staff is uh, honest about flaws and problems. The people don't get super defensive. You can have an honest conversation with somebody and they don't start blaming and everybody else, no, it's their fault, it's their fault. That's gonna be a healthy culture when you can do that. Uh, and the fourth thing is just commitment to the vision and, um, and each other. So you have a, a, a commitment to the vision and the direction of the organization, and then you have a commitment to each other that is unwavering. So y- you might disagree with someone, but you're gonna fight for them. And again, it's easier to do that if you actually love them. Um, and so organizations that I see like that are the ones that are growing and thriving, no matter what it is, no matter what industry it is. Um, If your culture is not helping you achieve your vision, something's wrong. Your culture should be helping you achieve um, whatever it is your organizational goals are, whether it's, you know, for-profit company, non-profit, or a a family. Um, Because even your family, uh, you can have a vision for your family. Like, hey, where do we want to go? What do we want to be? And the culture that you are developing is going to help you achieve that vision for your family even. So with that said... We're at 7.31. I went a little longer than I would have liked to for that portion, but uh, let's just open it up. Let's just have a, a dialogue and talk and uh, share some thoughts. So if you've got some pushback on anything I said, I'd love to hear that. Um, or questions and how does this apply? What does this look like? I would be happy to chat with it. Yeah, Luke. You might be surprised to learn that I have several, but I'll only do one <laughs> at a time. That's good. Um, <clears throat> early in, it's early in, in what you were saying, and I hope I don't get it wrong. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned about, um, well, basically just culture in general, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. How do you manage a different, how do I, I don't even know how to ask this. How you might operate doesn't mean it might be how a 21-year-old coming into your organization fresh out of college or, right, like mm-hmm. what they consider a good culture and what you consider a good culture. Yeah probably don't look that well I should, maybe that's too dramatic a way but there's going to be differences yeah absolutely so how do you how do I, you navigate that so uh, let me let me make sure i understand you've hired somebody on the team and now there's a difference in what the culture should look like or what a healthy culture is is that what you're saying right like for example if you value um, getting to know them in their personal life, and they are very shy, mm-hmm. right? Um, like those kind of things. Yeah. Like how do you? Or, or like, like I'm a big talker, right? And I happen to have an employee who is, who knows who Silent Bob is. He even looks oh. like him. Yeah, he even looks like him. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, um, I struggle with communicating yeah. him getting and getting him to tell me what he's concerned about. Yeah. Him telling me what he might have an issue with. Like, I love him and I hate him at the same time because he does anything I ask. And some, secretly, I think he hates me the whole time. But then he's been with me for a long time and yeah. he never complains. So it's like, oh well, let me just, <laughs> let me kick it back to the group. Uh, any thoughts on that? That's a great question. And I'm sure that you might not have the specific thing in your organization, but any thoughts on that? 
I think one thing that uh, sometimes can help is communicating the way they want to communicate. So in a silent Bob situation, I don't know what that means, but <clears throat> with like young people, you know, like, like let's say teens, there's a lot of texting and a lot of uh, communication through apps, those types of things. So if you're sharing it that way, mm -hmm. um, we've got a guy in our small group that communicates with his whole team through, vis he sh just makes short videos all the time and sends them to his team and they can watch them whenever they want. And then there's a question at the end and they respond with, so you're still sharing the information, but it's the way they want to receive it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, if they won't speak up what they tell you, but. Yeah, I think it's a good answer. Any other feedback for that? How do you, if someone's misaligned in, Maybe their culture, the vision a little bit. How do you realign? Um, I think that's something too that maybe, um, I think we try to hit that really hard in the interview process. Like, hey, well, I wanna help you understand what our culture looks like. Um, and it's, and some of the questions I'm asking whenever I'm calling references, it's not just about performance, but it's about their fit in the culture and what kind of culture did you have? Because if there's a similar culture and there's a misfit, then no matter how talented or gifted they are, they're probably gonna be a misfit with our culture too. And even if they're a rock star, if they're, um, if they're not a good fit with us, it, the relationships and those kind of things, then it's gonna be bad. So I try to screen that in the interview process even. Yeah, go ahead. And one of my other questions was, how do you navigate trying to make a change with veteran employees. I mean, oh, you've yeah. touched on it recently, but that's a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, this particular person, and by the way, I do actually love this guy. He's great. Um, he was in the era of, are you breathing? Here's a shovel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we have 64 yards of mulch to spread and three days to do it. You're hired. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was from that particular moment of time, which we have since moved past that rapid of a hiring. But so now I'm trying to navigate like, and he's just, he's my example, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's happened with other folks too. But like, how do you work through a, well, you've known me for two years. We've done this a certain way for two years. And now I'm changing now it we're completely. Changing. So here's the thing. That's really hard. And the truth is some of, if you've got employees like that, you might lose them. Because when they said yes to Luke, they said yes to this, right? And now it's this. And so you almost are trying to rehire them for a different job. So you need to kind of go about it the same way. Hey, I'm casting vision. I'm recruiting you for a new role. I'm helping you understand why it's so important for us to make this shift that it's not just, and, and they're gonna be thinking about themselves. How does this impact me? They're not ultimately gonna be looking at, well, it's better for the business. And so that's where you've gotta say, hey, here's why it's better for the business. Here's why we're making the shift, but here's why it can be beneficial for you as well. Because it's always gonna come back to how does this impact me and my role? Um, and... and and I don't think that's unreasonable. And that's what happened, uh, literally, any organization that has major shifts, cultural shifts, directional shifts, they go through the same thing. People are going to leave the organization. They're gonna lose customers, clients, employees in that shift, but they're believing that it's gonna be a net gain because the people we're picking up are gonna be more in alignment with where we're going. Does that make sense? So it's a risk because you might lose some of your team, uh, unfortunately, but if they can't make that term, you probably don't want them on your team. And that's really hard. Does that make sense? But yeah, I would, I, would I would almost look at it like I'm recruiting them for a new job. And the benefit is you've already seen them. Like you've worked with them. You've got a relationship with them. So, so yeah, that's probably how I would approach it. That's a great question though. Any other thoughts on that one? Todd. Well, I just wanted to ask a clarifying question. So is it, is it a cultural issue with this particular person or do you have maybe, uh, are, you, are you wanting them to be able to grow in the role that they're in, maybe move them into some greater area of responsibility, but you're reticent to do that because of where they kind of are or is it really a cultural issue, right? Does, does that make sense? It does, but I'm not sure I know how to answer it properly. Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, everything boils down to culture at some level, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in this particular individual, it does hold him back from, from advancing as a team leader because he 
is, and I hate to keep picking on the one guy, but it's, it slows him down from advancing as a team leader because he is unlikely to offer a correction, right? So if he is the expert on this one task and someone else isn't doing it quite like it should be done, sometimes he'll just fix it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it, it does hold him back from developing further as a team lead for that reason, right? It's hard to put more than one person with him, right? He is, he is a, he's almost the perfect team mate. He's not really a good team leader, even though he is highly skilled at what it is we're asking him to do. And so, so I don't know if I've answered your question exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have a response to that, Todd? Yeah. So, so my response to that would be that you, you would need to determine whether uh, he is a detriment to culture with the capacity that he has, right? Or if it's just a matter of he's not going to advance. He's not going to hurt us, right? He's going to be a good team member. But maybe you have to reconcile yourself to the fact that this is his capacity. He's not going to move beyond that. Or maybe it's worth a conversation with him just to say, here's where I would like you to be, but, but I need to see these things begin to be a part of what you're doing as an employee in order for me to entrust that to you. Otherwise, unfortunately, someone's going to pass you by and it won't be personal. It will just be that I you've not displayed these things that I need in someone who can lead. And then you're giving him the opportunity to shift with the culture or to say, you know what, I'm perfectly fine where I am. It's okay if you want to promote somebody else, just give me a shovel, I'll be okay. Well, and and I think um, that comes back to communication and expectations, you know, that we talked about. I don't think it's a big deal at all because what if that's what he wants to do? Great. Then you've got a great guy that you don't have to worry about. Well, now I've got to promote him or I got to, you know, because you've, you've said this is your capacity. This is your lid in our organization. If you're cool with that, this is where we're at. So, yeah. <laughs> Mel, you had mentioned uh, development as one of the principles yeah. earlier. Uh, so I would just throw, throw out, you know, has there been an opportunity to offer him professional development, you know, introduction to management, uh, something like that. I know it feels silly because you're next to me, right? But um, good question. I mean, I've offered him coaching with with me, but Mm -hmm. maybe not in a more formal capacity, like I'll send you to this class or read this book or – so I'll have to think a little harder on that to give you a more complete answer, but it's a good question. I think there's something to be said here, too, about the difference between specialists and generalists. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just by way of example, you might have someone who's a very good virologist, but not so good at running a country because those are two different skills. And I think that you... (laughs) Careful. We are nonpartisan here, but go ahead. Well, so (laughs) when you talk about doing a task, you could do a task, you could be the best guitar player in... you know, this yeah. side of the state, that's not the same thing as leadership ability. Right. Like, it's just a totally different skill. Yeah. The, your ability to lead other guitar players is almost almost completely disconnected from your ability to play guitar. It's not completely yeah. disconnected, but leadership itself is an independent variable, I think, so often. And, it's, and that's why I say the difference between specialist and generalist, because most of the great leaders that I've known are generalists. Mm-hmm. They, they know a little bit about a lot of things yeah. and leadership, you know, they may specialize in leadership and I think that's fine because that's a skill in of itself, but they have not, they have enough knowledge to spot issues in a lot of different areas. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we've talked, I've said this 50 times leadership night over the years, but like that's a mistake sales organizations make all the time. Wow, this guy's killing sales. Let's make him a manager. It's like, no, those are not the same skill sets. Uh, just because he was good at this does not mean he will be good at that. And so that's, we've got this great salesman. We're going to take him off of the road and put him in an office. And now he hates what he's doing and he's bad at it. Like, oh, okay, that's a great idea. So yeah, yeah, good call. What else? K- 
Can you talk about how restraining yourself from micromanagement has promoted a healthy culture here? What are some of the things that you <laughs> yeah. do? Yeah, um, and I might have some staff that would still say I micromanage to some degree or another. I try my best not to, but, um, and, and even for me, I would say, I don't think I'm a micromanager, but we've shifted some things where I'm in fewer meetings now. I'm running fewer meetings now. And like, right? Like there's a little bit of like, okay, what, what's going on in our organization? And um, like one of our team members mentioned something to me in passing and I was like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, 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 cool. And then later I went to Kim. I was like, did you know about this? And I was like, I'm not upset. I just need to know, did you know about it? And she was like, yeah, I knew about it. I was like, okay, cool. As long as somebody knew about it, I'm fine with that. But I'm, I'm having to learn a new, a new um, way of leading because I understand, like for our organization, <clears throat> if I needed to be involved in everything, I'm going to be the bottleneck. And so in order for us to go to another level, I've got to be secure enough with the leaders I have in place that I can say, hey, I'm going to lead through them. That means I'm not going to know everything that's going on. I'm not going to know every decision. And I still have people that will stop me and go, hey, when's the deadline for the missions trip? And I'm like, I, I, have, I didn't even know we were going there. So I don't know when the deadline is. <laughs> And they think I'm crazy because they're like, you're the pastor, you're supposed to know. But what, what they don't understand is the bigger our church gets, the less I can know about everything. So um, I've just got to be secure enough to go, okay, there's just going to be stuff I can't know. And, um, and thankfully, my wife keeps an eye on me and she has, she has called me out a few times like, hey, babe, why did you, it's like, okay, you're right, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have had that conversation. Like I should have let their their supervisor have that conversation instead or whatever it might be. Uh, and so for me, I think it come, I keep coming back to, okay, what is this ultimately going to produce for us? And that is better than what I am losing in the short term. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did I answer that question? I think so. Okay. Um, Alicia McKnight online. Um, <clears throat> Alicia McKnight online. She's contributing to Luke's question when she says that communicate the end product of the culture that you are trying to build from the very beginning. Um, and then she has a, her own question, which is, are there specific resources you would recommend on this topic? On building a healthy culture? <clears throat> um, there's one that I had read a few years ago by Sam Chand. He is a church uh, consultant and he, he's done businesses as well, but uh, Sam consults, like we could not afford to bring Sam Chand in to consult us, nor are we big enough. He does not consult with churches our size. <laughs> we are a small church compared to the churches he talks to. He's talking to churches that are 20,000 plus. Um, and, um, and so he, he did, wrote a book a few years ago called uh, Cracking Your Church's Culture Code that, um, that it is church specific, but it's broad enough. It will help you understand culture and navigating cultural changes and things like that. I feel like that would be a healthy, health, helpful resource. Sean. Our small group right now is going through uh, Patrick Lencioni, The Advantage, mm -hmm. and it talks pretty clearly about all of this. <clears throat> and Patrick Lencioni, I, 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 I like, I have a lot of respect for Patrick Lencioni. There's only so many leadership fables I can read. And so some of the, lead, I've just been like, okay, but. Oh, is it? Okay. I had, I had, I've read excerpts from that, but I assumed it was a, yeah. Dr. John Stanko, who's been with us before, he's actually friends with Patrick Lencioni. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. What else? Questions, comments, thoughts? Oh, oh. Fill the empty space talking. Oh, you and Michael, you'll just take up the rest of our time. Go ahead, Luke. <laughs> um, as you, so, I'll, I'll just use you as you brought it up. As you let go, mm -hmm. <clears throat> how do you let your team know that you're not just sitting around twiddling your thumbs? <laughs> I had a guy once, and this guy was I, I, bad. But he literally told me to my face, why are you even here? You don't do anything. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. They don't know. The team doesn't know that I'm not sitting around twiddling my thumbs other than what, the, what ends up being produced at other points, if that makes sense. So there's fruit at other places, but do they, does Craig know that I'm not sitting in my office on Facebook all day? No, he doesn't know that. Um, and so that's where it's like, we got to have a high level of trust 
Um, but I, I would say I probably exhibit that with a team even. Like, I don't know what you're doing all day, like, but I trust that you're doing your job. And if you're not producing what you're supposed to be producing, I'm gonna see that at some point. And so I've tried to build that into them. So hopefully it's reciprocated toward me, if so, that makes sense. So, so maybe you are a bad example only because I know most <laughs> of the other staff here yeah. and a lot of them, all of them, all the ones I know anyway, are very good at their jobs and yeah. they're easy to communicate with. So maybe that's a bad example well, you, because I can tell you, the bad you staff. guys do a good yeah, job. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We don't have <laughs> um, any bad staff. So. so how do I want to phrase this a little differently? Um, there are going to be people that don't understand that, oh, we're succeeding as a whole. Yeah. That means all of the pieces are working together, even if I don't know what they're doing. There'll be people that don't get that. Yeah. And so my, my, I guess the more specific question is, I, like, so my, I have a lot of turnover in my business. So it's how do I, like, and, and actually this is actually an internal struggle that I'm having right now. My role has shifted very administrative for this particular season that I'm in, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And it's not looking good when it comes to getting out of the office anytime soon. Yeah. And it makes me twitch. But more than making me twitch, because I like swinging a hammer, is I feel like I am now imposing on people something that, I, like, it's almost like I'm leaving them adrift. And it's well, not that they can't do it. It's that if I'm sitting on a computer, I feel like they're thinking, why isn't he out here helping me? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean they are by any yeah. means, right? But does that make any kind of sense? Yeah. And so I almost, it's, it's kind of a twofold question. I've had people say, you don't do anything. And it's clearly because they're not mature enough in, yeah. in, a, you know, in, a, in that group setting. But I've also struggled with that myself. Like, I almost, I want them to know. <laughs> and I don't so, know, is that an ego thing? Like, I don't even know. So there's but, a book <laughs> written by a guy named Larry Osborne, I don't know, 10, 15, probably 15 years ago now. It was called Sticky Teams. And he's a pastor, one of the biggest churches in America. I, I, I don't know Larry. I've spent some time with Larry, though. And Larry talks in that book, Sticky Teams, about the different... Uh, stages that churches go through. So when a church is one size, it's kind of like a basketball team. And if you're on a basketball team, there's five players on the court and you know where the other players are supposed to be at any given time. You're, you're working together. You know what their roles are, but let's go up a level on a baseball team. Well, now there's a little more specialization. The pitchers are practicing on their own a lot of times. They're doing bullpen. The pitchers and catchers are working together. You know, So there's more differentiations, but then take it up all the way to a football team. So you've got a football team, a professional football team, the offense and defense don't even really work together. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the assignments, the offensive and defensive linemen, even though they're in proximity to each other on the field, they don't know what the other, the other side of the ball is supposed to be doing. Uh, they know what their ball is. They go to separate meetings. They go to separate film sessions. Um, and at the end of the day, they are trusting that you're taking care of your stuff and I'm taking care of mine. But but that analogy might be a good one for you to be able to use to go, hey, as our organization is growing, you know, when there was four of us, we were on a job together. We were mowing together. We were, you know, you could literally look across and see what the other people were doing, but we don't do that now. Here's what our crews are doing and here's we're spread out. And so my role has had to change. And, and I, think, I think that might help a little bit, but part of it is just, is just you gotta have a high level of trust and security on your team. And that's hard especially when there's high turnover. Aaron, did you want to speak to that? Yeah, but <clears throat> just as I was hearing you talk, I was thinking it sounds kind of like a journey of delegation. Like, you know, kind of like Mel said, you came from the place where you were doing those jobs. That was the Harry Potter book, wasn't it? The Journey of Delegation? Yeah. Harry Potter Excellent. and the Journey of Delegation? No? But you could also end up in the reverse position too. Like I've seen directors at my company do this where like they're uncomfortable with they don't want to dump or they don't want to look like they're um, doing something negative. So they'll do a task when people are like, why, Yeah. why are they doing that? Like, you know, the bids need to get out and like the contracts need done. Why are they packing pills? Like, you know, and, and it, I think, you know, it depends on the situation with the person, but you could have the reverse effect where it's like, well, they must not trust me to, take care of this task yeah. so they're they're you know they, they may misunderstand yeah that's good it's a good way of thinking about that there's a couple things that will help here too um i think that it's really useful for an employee to know that their direct report knows more about their job than they do 
like they've either, either done it before or they know about all the details. Um, and so if you know how to do their job, the job that you're asking them to do, they also have to know that you know that. And so they know that if you're asking them to do something, they know about all the pain, like they know that you know about all the pain and the issues that are gonna come alongside that. And then the other thing I'd say is, um, one of the things that works really well here, uh, we, we're most, we are mostly autonomous in our workflow, um, but what never happens is if I make a mistake or something happens when the rubber hits the road and it's a mistake, I never don't hear about it. Like there's always a... Uh, <laughs> that sounds ominous. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's, it's in a good Immediately, there's a voice. Yeah. Michael. Right. Right, yeah. We, we hold each other accountable at, at the end. And uh -huh. so when we get to the end, if there's an issue, then that's where the management comes in and says, hey, why did this happen? What's yeah. going on here? And, yeah. si and since we never miss that, because I think it's tempting to miss those things. It's tempting to say, well, I don't really want to ask this person about this. I don't want to point out their mistake. I don't want to make them feel bad. But if you can establish in your culture that 100% of the time when something isn't done right, they're going to be asked about it. Yeah. Um, then what that does is it, it builds in the management without actually having to micromanage. I, th I think that's useful. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Casey. Oh, he's in the back, there you go. So you're talking about building culture. My question, when you took over Pastor Mel at the church here and you started, you had a vision of where you wanted the culture to be what was there things with inside you that you had to like change to get that culture or were you already there does that make sense like no, uh, were, I, were no. there pre were there things that you like Here, here's what had to change my my timeline had to change so like i didn't have to i didn't have to sacrifice anything that i had a conviction about as far as like here's what i want our church to feel like or be like or how we want to solve problems i didn't have to sacrifice any of that i had to sacrifice how quickly we were that does that make sense because i'm the guy who's like let's go and we can get it done now and it's like oh no we can't quite get it done now because i just tend to be more aggressive and so that's something that had to change for me for sure is to go okay it still doesn't quite look like what I would like it to look like, but we're getting there. And I don't think it really, I don't think we had a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, I don't think we as a church got to where I felt like, okay, now we've kind of gotten there. Not that we've arrived or we can take our foot off the gas, but as, our, as far as our culture goes, I, I think it was a few years, um, maybe two or three before I felt like, okay, it's, it's looking like what we envisioned when we came. And so that was something that I had to, that I had to lay down a little bit. Does that answer your question? <laughs> You're like, no, but I'm done. We're tired of talking about this. So <laughs> that's a good question. So do you feel like you ever, um, you got your organization to a place where the culture is where you want it to be, or are you constantly tweaking it? Like You're constantly tweaking yeah. it. Because, I mean, it's like um, when you're driving down the road, like someday none of us will have to drive down the road. It'll drive itself. But, you know, when you're driving down the road, you're staying between the lines, but you're drifting between the lines, right? There's constant drift that you have to fight to some degree or another. And it's the same way with your culture, especially, uh, and even if you're not onboarding people, even if you have the same team, because essentially uh, we've, we've had the same team for quite a while now. I mean, we've added some people, but... Our, our team has been very stable. But even if you've got a very stable team, if you're not constantly tweaking and working on the culture, it will drift. And, and you don't drift. We drift to mediocrity. We don't drift to improvement. Like we have to add force to improve. And so it's the same thing with the culture. If you want your culture to be healthier, you have to apply force to it to get it to move there. Um, and so, yeah, you've got to constantly tweak it, especially, and this is something too, when you onboard new people, you've really got to keep an eye on it because it's easy in the interview process to go, oh, I know this person, they're going to be great. And, and they can import bad culture really quickly, really easily. And so you've got to keep an eye on that. Um, but yeah, you've got to constantly be tweaking it. Because um, even in the last few years, there's been times that I'll look up and I'm like, oh, wait a second, we are, how did we get this far off where we needed to be? And we'll have to like tap, 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 tap and get us, okay, now we're back where we need to be. And that's just normal. But yeah, it's a good question. 7.59, we're done early. I'm gonna pray. 
And then uh, if you guys wanna talk some more, I'd be delighted for you guys to hang out, talk to each other, exchange numbers, uh, get to know some people. There's some great leaders sitting in this room. Um, please don't leave without connecting to somebody else. Um, thank you guys for watching and listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. Let me pray for you and we'll get done. Lord, thanks so much for uh, the, the people you've brought together, uh, the people that are listening, the people that are watching. I just pray your blessing on them. I pray that you would bless our leadership so that we can impact people in greater ways and create a healthier culture in our homes, uh, in our churches, in our communities, in our businesses. And I pray that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I love you. Have a great night. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.